0: I do not aim with my hand. He who aims with his hand has forgotten the face of his father. I aim with my eye. I do not shoot with my hand. I shoot with my mind. Jake. I do not kill with my gun. of my heart. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stephen King Cast One Man's Musings on the Works of Stephen King. Each week, I'll review one entry in the bibliography of Stephen King in the chronological order of publication. And today, after months of what felt like actual years of arduous struggles and an endless journey. We have finally reached the red fields of Kankanore, ladies and gentlemen, loyal listeners, constant readers. We are here. We made it. We did it. We have reached the Dark Tower trailer. But today, guys, on May 3rd, 2017, Sony did it. I've given Sony a lot of crap, guys. You know that if you follow me on. Twitter and Instagram, Facebook, um, and if you've been listening to my episodes, uh, you know that I have criticized Sony for their marketing uh, because they have denied us what they released us uh, today. So today I have the uh, pleasure of sharing all of my thoughts of the, the Dark Tower trailer that was released today. So I'm really looking forward to this one, guys. I'm really looking forward to, to sinking my teeth into this because there's definitely a lot to talk about. Um, in the meantime, in the meantime, let's, uh, let's back it up a little bit. So for those of you who have been on this journey with me, um, since the beginning or for a couple of years now welcome back as always can't do it without you but uh every day it goes by I, I get new listeners so i also want to thank everyone that's joining the stephen king cast for the first time so i just kind of want to put this this show into context a little bit um if this is your first time first of all welcome Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining the highest rated Stephen King podcast on the internet. It is a, a feat that I am very proud of, but it's also one that I am very humbled by, and it's one that I cannot do um, without listeners like you. So thank you for tuning in, um, everybody. So for those of you tuning in for the first time, originally this, this show was designed uh, to uh, um, go through all of Stephen King's works in the chronological order of publication. Uh, well, I have done that. Um, it's been that was a fun journey, uh, and it was good for me to reread all of his works and chart out the different phases and the different things that he had to say and put everything in uh, in context regarding the Dark Tower. So, uh, for those of you who haven't listened to the earlier episodes, you have over one hundred and fifty Stephen King cast episodes that that you can definitely work your way through. Um, so welcome. So. What I have been doing is sort of just random Stephen King news here and there. You know, thankfully, we are living in a Stephen King uh, 2.0 world, I would say, where the, the the name brand Stephen King has started to rear its head and it started to gain some traction the way that it did in the, the 80s and the early 90s, I would say. And it's kind of a Stephen King uh, renaissance or a Stephen King um, reconnaissance. If you will, which is awesome. I mean, between today's Dark Tower trailer, the trailer for Castle Rock, and all the buzz around that, uh, just the trailer for It smashing records, uh, it's 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 fun. It's a good time. It's a good time to be a Stephen King fan. There's there's a lot of things to look forward to. So this is great. I'm glad to be here. And so from here on out, what the Stephen King cast is going to look like. Even though I have gone through the, the works of Stephen King and the chronolo- Chronological Order of Publication, I did cheat a little bit on the short story collections. I reviewed the short story collections without necessarily reviewing every single short story. So this summer I will be... Uh, launching the podcast back on a weekly basis and I will be covering everything that I didn't do the first time around there's some novellas I didn't touch the first time around um, and the short stories I, I did not touch the first time around and that will be able to bring us to the release date of the Dark Tower where you will get my Dark Tower review you will get my movie reviews of the uh, the the short stories um, or the movies that were based on the short stories that I didn't do the first time around and that uh, that all of that should lead us not only into the summer but into the fall where then you'll get my it review when that comes out and then hopefully Castle Rock will start to air by then and you'll get my weekly castle Rock thoughts so guys we have entered the the next phase of the Stephen King cast I am currently on um, Rereading Nightmares and Dreamscapes. So I would say I will be ready to to begin releasing uh, episodes once I finish reading everything's eventual. So we're we're looking like I'm I'm on track right now. So early summer. I'm still aiming for early summer to, to relaunch the Stephen King cast. So um everyone just bear with me. I appreciate everyone that's been sticking around as I've been on a, a part-time basis. Um, but, uh, I'm, I'm very excited for, for what comes next. I'm looking forward to, to delving back into the short stories and the, the adaptations upon which these short stories, um, were based and, um, or the, yeah, that's right. And, um, and of course, just everything having to do with the, the movies and the, the, the the television shows that are coming out and the mist. I'll probably be covering the mist. Well, so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot. And I'm going to make sure that I, I definitely carve out some time, um, for that. Okay, so that is the status of the Stephen King cast. And before I get into iTunes reviews and before I get into listener emails, because I've got a lot of listener emails, guys, there's something that I just really need to plug, um, especially on a day where the the Dark Tower trailer was was released. Um, we are fortunate uh, to to live in an age of the internet uh, because there are a, a lot of just great products that we can procure over the internet if we are pop culture fans, and especially now if we're Stephen King fans. So I don't know about you guys, but I am someone that, that likes a good pop culture t-shirt. Um, I have a drawer full of uh, superhero t-shirts. I'm currently wearing one. Um, and I love just pop culture t-shirts. And until recently, there really hasn't been much in way of Stephen King T-shirts. Well, I am uh, very grateful that I can say that that is no longer the case. We now live in a world where all you need to do, if you want your Stephen King uh, apparel, all you need to do is head on over to cod-tet-number19.net. That's Ka-Tet19.net, and I am telling you guys, you will not, you will not be disappointed. Um, just last month, I ordered a uh, a Losers Club Dairy Main t-shirt. Now, here is the deal. I, I I don't typically shill products, and I am not receiving any money or anything from the, the, the people over at um, Ka-Tet19.net. I am not receiving anything from them. It's just that I, um, I I saw their work on the internet. I reached out and I, I did order a uh, the, the t-shirt that I mentioned. Um, and I just really want to be able to support. I have the platform to support. So I just really want to support these guys because the work that they're doing is great. So when it comes to t-shirts, I don't know what your personal aesthetic is. But for me, I like a t-shirt that is stylish, um, but also is based on the content upon which it's something that I like. So, for instance, there are a lot of t-shirts out there. I don't want to necessarily knock um, something else to bring something else up, but I I, I do kind of want to put this in a little bit of perspective. There's a lot of t-shirts out there that might have, let's say, the face of Stephen King on there or just words of Stephen King's books. Um, And I've seen uh, Stephen King uh, Dark Tower T-shirts that just have the words of Roland and Susanna and Eddie and Jake and Oi. And, and that's fine. Nothing against that. But those, I, I'm not, I don't gravitate towards those particular types of shirts. Um, the shirts that they are selling at ka-tet19.net um, are, are shirts that are very, very stylish. That's the thing. You would be wearing stylish Products. Uh, so the, the the loser shirt that I have, it's it's a paper boat in the center, and it says Losers Club Dairy Maine. So for those of, if I'm walking down the street and no one isn't in the know, they're just gonna think it's just like just a cool looking shirt from a place called Dairy Maine. Um, th- th- there's a shirt that it, it's a Nozala T-shirt. I mean that's that's a deep cut for Stephen King fans right there, but it's done in the style of Coca-Cola. So if you're walking down the street and Uh, You know if you if you're wearing it and you're walking past people chances are people aren't gonna look twice They're just gonna think they're gonna see it. They're gonna see the colors. They're gonna see the 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 um, uh, The 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 font and they're gonna say oh, it's just a a coke t-shirt But I mean if if you know you're walking down the street wearing this and someone's a Stephen King can't Stephen King fan They might do a double take and they might be like oh my god. It's a nozala t-shirt. That's really rad uh, so the shirts that they have are, are really cool, guys. I can't, I can't stress it enough. There's a, a, a Gilead Gunslingers Academy t-shirt. Um, there's a really cute Oi t-shirt. Um, there is a, I'm pretty sure there's a Blaine the Mono t-shirt. There's just um, a picture of, um, you know, that, that introductory black and white uh, pencil drawing that Michael Whelan opens up the, the, the Gunslinger with um and then underneath it it says the man in black flood across the desert and the gunslinger file and that's a really cool looking shirt um i just saw on their instagram page um i've been communicating with with uh with matt i i i keep saying they but matt is the artist um and he does incredible work um so he he uh he just released an overlook um t-shirt so it's like welcome to the overlook so it's it's that particular style um they're just really cool guys they're really really cool shirts um, and now is the time to get them because now is the time to really just let your freak flag fly and just show your love for Stephen King so um, you know I I, I I don't ever do this but I like I said I found I found them I want to support them Matt does incredible work um, I'm very excited to see what he has next. Um, he's licensed to use the art, um, of Michael Whelan, uh, from the novels. Um, he is licensed to use the artwork of Jay Lee from the, um, Jay Lee was the illustrator of the Dark Tower comic books, and he did the art for, uh, Wind Through the Keyhole. Um, so he... he's authorized to create art um based on the books not the movies not yet um but we'll 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 see what what lies in store um but these are these are just good looking t-shirts they are quality t-shirts uh they're they're very very comfortable so uh you know don't take my word for it head on over um you know just if you just type in caught you know content 19 um into into Google, it should come up. Um, and if not, uh, shoot me an email and I'll, I'll get you in, in contact. But uh, you will not be disappointed. There's there's a lot of good stuff out there on that website. You'll you'll thank me later. Um, so head on over there, guys. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Um, so what we're gonna do next, before we get into the uh, the Dark Tower review, I'm gonna read some uh, listener iTunes reviews because, as I've said before, I can't do it without you. I honestly cannot do it without you. Um, and just thank you for all of the kind words. Um, so up first we have J Maz 65 who writes long days and pleasant listening. I just found your podcast earlier today and have been hooked for the past several hours. The King Universe actually began for me when I picked up Full Dark, No Stars a few years back. A friend introduced me to the Dark Tower series and spent a deep dive into all of his other works from there. Thanks for your dedication to this podcast and bringing constant readers together. So Jmaz65, thank you so much. Um, Klaus's cousin writes, they all float down here came across this podcast on iTunes recently and have since gone back and listened to a lot of the older episodes. This is highly entertaining stuff, and the production quality is solid. The host breaks down and deeply examines the works of Stephen King from novels to cinematic adaptations with a very scholarly approach. At times I feel like I'm in a seminar, but a very enjoyable one at that. The podcast is highly recommended if you like horror stories and, of course, the works of Mr. King. I haven't heard yet... I haven't yet heard Stephen King cast tackle any of the comic book adaptations like The Dark Tower, The Stand, or N, but that's a very minor quibble. My favorite episodes have been the Salem's Lot coverage, the three-parter of It, the Mystery View, a look back at the Shining movies, and the 1983 Dead Zone film. Love it. Thank you uh, so much, Klaus's cousin. Um, I I really appreciate it. Um, And the the fact that I've been um, compared to a... uh, Oh, a seminar. Um, that was one of my goals. So thank you so much for acknowledging that. Oz uh, 74 writes, 19 stars. Love the podcast. That's uh, short but very sweet to the point. Um, and I love the 19 stars. Ellie McKenna writes, super enjoyable. Recently started listening and reading. Enjoying all the reviews and movies. While well, I think the book The Shining was better, still super enjoy your accounts and thoughts. Reading Carrie at the moment, and we'll be going back to your Carrie Epps once done. Thank you so much. Ellie, thank you so much. Silver 2289 writes, Absolutely wonderful. Found the podcast a couple weeks after the explosion of excitement that was the It trailer. I was struck by the deep dive analysis and love uh, the host approached his discussion of the Stephen King adaptation and I knew I was at home. So, Silver 2289 thank you so much. Um, and I'm very excited about what comes next uh, in regards to it. Um, yeah, I'm very, very excited. And I, I, I'm glad that, you know, the, this, that trailer has been allowed to just do its thing. And there hasn't been a lot after that because, quite frankly, we don't need much right now. So, when the next trailer hits presumably this summer um it would be great if it if it pops up in front of the dark tower which would be awesome um that'll be enough to carry us through Asriel Abyss writes, excellent. I am not a reader of fiction, but I love Stephen King's stories, so getting reviews of movies along with the writings is perfect. Great podcast. So, Asriel Abyss, thank you so much. I do try to uh, work the the movies in there um, as much as possible, so uh, that will definitely be a part of, of the podcast going forward. I'm going to try to cover... Um, if there is an adaptation along with, uh, a story, I'm going to really try and get, and get to it. So for all of the adaptations that I didn't cover the first time around, I'm going to try and get to those. Um, I, I don't know about stuff like Haven. Uh, that's an undertaking I might not necessarily get to, but, uh, but I've, I've definitely rewatched The Mangler and, um, graveyard shifts and i'll be doing maximum overdrive and lawnmower man and especially the ones that are associated with the short stories I'll, I'll be definitely tackling those so thank you everyone for writing in your itunes reviews like i've said before I, I can't do it without you um so if you do have a few moments on your hands and you have not written an itunes review yet uh, just do me a favor. Uh, just head on over to iTunes and just leave a very quick review. Um, it's not going to take you a long time and I can't put into words just how much it's going to help this podcast. Because if you do a search for Stephen King, uh, depending on the day, I'm either going to be the first or second podcast that shows up. And, um, you know, I, I definitely want to, to remain up there in, uh, In the itunes search reviews uh so it's it's going to be important and the only way to do that is subscribe through itunes and um leaving reviews so those are the ways to help me out so thank you everybody so now let's get to the emails because i you know this podcast is me in my basement with my furry co-hosts you'll probably hear one of them behind me on the couch the other one is down on the floor in front of the tv um so uh, as you know, I'm, I'm just here by myself. Uh, it's one man's musings. Uh, but it's important for me to be able to get other people's perspectives and to be able to share other people's stories and what Stephen King has meant to them. So I, I have some listener emails that I have been uh, accumulating for a while. And because I haven't been on a weekly basis, um, I want to make sure that, that, I, that I get them out there for everyone that has been patient. So first up, we have Kevin who writes, hello, lifelong constant reader here. I just recently subscribed to your podcast on iTunes and have been addicted ever since. While I've read King since I was 12, your podcast has gotten me back into it in a big way, inspiring me to revisit some of my old favorites. My first King novel was Cujo. Not one of your favorites, I know, but when I was 12, my dad was reading it on a camping trip. I read the back cover and was hooked before I ever opened it. As soon as he finished it, he gave it to me, a little reluctantly, as there are definitely parts of the book um, a lot of 12-year-olds are not ready for, but he trusted me. I ate that book up. I soon devoured all the king that was currently in print, but it wasn't until a couple years later that it hit me. Or maybe I should say that IT hit me. I got IT for Christmas in 1986. I had asked for it, and it was all that I wanted. I was 16 years old, and all my money was going towards saving for a car, so I couldn't afford the cover price. Cover price, what was it, $19? But I opened it on Christmas morning and started reading it after breakfast. I don't think I put that book down save to eat, sleep, or pee for two days. And when I finished it, I flipped back to page one, and I read it again. That book is Miraculous. The authenticity of the characters, the palpable fear, and the clear-as-day descriptions. It's hard to believe that some scenes in that book were not in the TV movie because I can picture them so clearly in my head I feel like they must have been filmed. But no, it's just King's words painting such vivid pictures. In my mid-twenties, I fell out of King for a while. I still read the new novels, but I didn't have the passion for them like I did the earlier ones. But then I decided it was time to embark on the journey of The Dark Tower. After I had read The Wastelands, I decided I was not gonna read any more tower novels, regardless of when they were published, until he completed the saga. So when he did, I took the plunge into midworld and reread The Gunslinger, The Drawing of the Three, The Wastelands, and then went on to Wizard and Glass, The Wolves of the Colossal Susanna and the Dark Tower. All in one fell swoop that took me about three months. By the end I was exhausted and felt like I had been on that journey as part of the cotet that's King's Magic. He brings you along in every one of his characters' journeys. When I discuss King with my friends, they often compare him to Kuntz. I like Koontz, but to me there's a huge difference. I always say that, Kings write about, that King writes about people that have strange things happen to them, while Koontz writes about strange things that happen to people. Which, I'm interjecting here, that is such a perfect way of describing the differences between king and coots such an incredible that is just that's so succinct and correct so back to the email in king's stories the characters always come first and that is why we are so invested as a kid i had a terrible stutter and i can say that king wrote about the embarrassment of that perfectly when he wrote about bill denbrough i mean perfectly perfectly He didn't just make a character up that had a stutter. He described the physical and emotional struggles a kid goes through trying to do something as simple as say the word boat. He captured it perfectly. Like I said, your podcast has got me back into King. I'm currently halfway through rereading The Dead Zone, which I have not read in 25 years or more. Not sure what will be next, but in this time of uncertainty and fear in our country, when everything seems so filled... Um, With hate and mistrust, I am finding great comfort in the company of old friends like John Smith. I think I might visit the Losers next, but maybe it'll be Stu, Larry, and Mother Abigail. Or maybe Charlie and Andy McGee. Whoever it is. I know that they'll be there as I remember them, and I'm pretty sure I will learn something new about them as well, just like I do from your show. Thank you for that. I'll leave you with my favorite King quote of all time. I share it often, and I try my best to live by it. It's from It towards the end when Bill is trying to get Audra to snap out of her feud. Get a little rock and roll on the radio and go towards all the life there is with all the strength you can find and all the belief you can muster. Be brave. Be true. Stand. All the rest is darkness. Words to live by if there ever were some. Thanks for the podcast and keep them coming. Kevin. Kevin, man, um that is a great email um and just thank you I mean I getting it for Christmas that sounds magical um and and definitely that is a that is a point in quote get a little rock and roll on the radio and go towards all the life there is with all the strength you can find and all the belief you can muster be brave be true stand all the rest is darkness that is yeah that's a good one that's a good one guys if you have a Remember when I used to do that? Actually, oh my God, I, I completely forgot that. I used to do the, the, the quote of the book. Um, well, I, that, that fell out of favor. Um, yeah, so those of you tuning in, I when I first started the Stephen King cast, one of the things that I, I definitely sought out to do was try and find the quote that really just distilled the theme of that book down to just a, a few, just one passage, one excerpt. Um and I stopped doing it. I, just, I don't know when I stopped doing it, but I definitely stopped doing it. But, oh, look at that. that. That's thats a great, that's a... So, guys, if you have something that you that really sticks with you, uh, a, a phrase or a, an excerpt from King's works, definitely start sharing them because I, I want to start collecting them. So, thank you, Kevin. Up next, we have Rhodey who writes, I found your podcast, the Stephen King cast. My plan is to read each Stephen King book, then listen to your podcast about it. Right now, I'm listening to the, the one about the book, The Shining. Next, I'll listen to the one about the movie and the book. I've read the book twice over the years, that last time about four years ago. Years ago, I read Hearts in Atlantis, and it bored the shit out of me, but I'll soon listen to your podcast and see if I simply didn't get it. Right now, I'm halfway through the stand, way too long, maybe should have gotten the older version with 400 pages taken out, but I'm enjoying the book. But I doubt I would have missed the 400 pages. Way too much character detail for me. I just wanted to say, great podcast, very insightful and interesting. Thanks for doing it, Rody So, Rody thank thank you for that particular perspective because there's really two kinds of Stephen King fans. I mean, there are there are the fans that love the fact that there's 400 pages in the uh, unabridged edition of The Stand. Uh, 400 pages where King was able to flesh out the characters in even more great, you know, greater detail. And then there's fans like you who are just like, come on. I don't think that we need, you know, 12 pages, you know, describing... I mean, I think that I mentioned this in Cujo. I mean, isn't there, like, pages-long descriptions of the, the mailman's flatulence? You know, I mean, I am I making that up? I, I don't recall. I'll, I should go back and listen to that review. But, um, but I mean, I, I can totally understand why some people, uh, you know, definitely have issues with that. I, I fall into the camp where, for the most part, Um, I love it I think that's important Um, but I, I, I definitely see where it can be a hindrance to enjoying the reading experience up next we have Trey who writes hello my name is Trey from Kansas I've never written to a podcaster before but your podcast has helped me foster an obsession and I wanted to thank you I started last year with the goal of reinvigorating my childhood interest in reading by going through Amazon's 100 sci-fi fantasy list and got a bit sidetracked onto Stephen King's works because his plain, easy-to-read work was in sharp contrast to some of the more pretentious books on that list. Not going to say that there weren't any good things on that list. Ready Player One and World War Z, among others, were amazing. I'm going to jump right in for a second. World War Z, for those of you who have not uh, ever read World War Z and have only seen the movie... Ignore the movie um, and go read that book um, because it is a a literary experience the likes of which you don't encounter very often. Um, The fact that it was made into a big budget movie was just, it's just not the place for it. It, It's not as though World War Z can't be turned into an audiovisual adaptation. It's just that it shouldn't be a big blockbuster movie. It should have been a miniseries. Um, where every episode is a documentary detailing the events that occurred during World War Z. So the, the book is a very uh, it, it's a, a, a very uh, just well realized account of what would really happen. Um, usually in zombie movies we get either the micro or the macro. In World War Z we get both, and we really do see from a societal level, from a military level, from a political level, from every we we get glimpses from every walks of life as the zombie threat grows. Um, and it would be great to like watch a you know History Channel style documentary about it, um, but instead they did a, a big blockbuster uh, you know Brad Pitt movie. And there's a sequel on the way with, what, David Fincher? That That's insane. That is insane. Who knows what that's going to look like? And then with Ready Player One, um, a friend of mine just let me borrow it today, so I'll probably be reading it That's this summer. I'm looking forward to it uh, because I've heard nothing but great things about that book. Anyway, back to uh, the email. Anyways, as with any post-2000s SK fan, I learned the name from the movies, and after not getting The Shining movie, I decided to read the book version. After loving that, I googled best SK books and went with that lists number one choice, The Stand. Wow. Although it wasn't until your podcast I was able to reconcile my disappointment of the anticlimactic ending, everything leading up to that was incredible. Part one feels like a zombie apocalypse story. Part two feels like a Game of Thrones political intrigue. And part three is just good old-fashioned post-apocalyptic ah, post apocalyptic warring done right for done wrong, see the road. Couldn't make myself finish it. I'm going to interject. The road, I would argue, is the only post-apocalyptic story done brutally uh, and frighteningly honestly. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, um... Trey, I'm not sure. I'm, I, am i am not in your shoes, but um, I, I would probably argue that the reason that you couldn't finish it because it was so bleak and relentless and gray and grim and hard and, um, unromantic. I, even in The Stand, there's a romanticism to the end of the world with Larry finding himself again and the fact that he goes on this character journey um, set against the backdrop of the wastelands of America and, and Stu running out into the night after he's able to escape from, um, the 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 um cdc um and then finding uh glenn and there's there's a romanticism to being on the road even though there is tragedy and even though there is fear um there is a glorification um and and a little bit of that uh you know that end of the world fantasy that we all have um but the road doesn't have that the road has honesty and it really does paint what it would be like it would be awful it would be terrible. I'll never read *The Road* again. I, I'll ne- I'll never do it. Um, but it's not because Cormac McCarthy didn't write a good book. It's because he wrote the book a little too well. Same reason why I'll never watch *Requiem for a Dream* again. I was just having this conversation today. Um, it, it, I don't like the movie. I don't like it. Um, I'll never watch it again. Um, I do not like it. But there's no situation in which I cannot say that it's is—it's an incredible movie. It's a very effective movie. It's just not one that I happen to like. Same thing with The Road. I don't like it personally, but goddamn, is it brilliant. It's fantastic. Um, So anyway, going back to Trey. After that 47-hour audiobook, I decided to take on that other Goliath, It. And that, my friend, brings me to you. The scene... In that book, and we both know what I'm talking about, was so incredibly out of place, agreed, unnecessary, agreed, and disgusting, agreed, uh, that I had to search out for someone to either make it make sense to me or validate its awfulness. And you did that. I now find that I don't want to read much besides SK because there's not that reward at the end of having the podcast listen to. Me. Thank you so much. I'm having to stop myself, listen to episodes of books that I haven't even read yet. Love the co-hosts, all three. Thank you so much. Um, the third co-host is currently in bed with a cold, so uh, hopefully she she uh, gets through that quickly. I'm currently filling in my reading gaps chronologically leading up to it. Lastly, I'd just like to share my thoughts on some of the works that I have read. The Shining. No question to me, I love Kubrick, but the book is far superior. Much more detail and motivation, but... lord uh, Lord of the rings excluded i almost side with the book i was so happy to get to figure out um wtf dog suit guy from the movie christine i'm not yet finished with the audio book but so far i must say that's the most relatable to my life right at the moment my in-laws of four months are the car obsessed type and the description in christine um of that is its own horror to me i believe if my wife wrecked their car their first question would be is the car okay Pet Cemetery. Great book. One problem. The cover spoils it. I was fresh to this story and expecting an ending with all the animals rising to destroy something or other. Unfortunately, the double-day cover shows a silhouette of a man carrying the body of a small child, which is a huge spoiler. Probably should have thrown a spoiler warning up there when I read this. Which is a huge spoiler and had me guessing the ending halfway through the book. The Stand. This has got to be an HBO Netflix show. There is no way a movie can do it justice. And I'm going to interject again. Um, I completely agree. Um, But I also wonder if the stands time has passed. Um, I really do. The the fact that it just can't find life at at Warner Brothers um, and because we are seeing more sensationalized post-apocalyptic stories, something that doesn't... um, I don't know. I, I I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. I just don't see The Stand happening. I just don't. Um, and then The Dark Tower. I've only made it to the third here, and I've been very frustrated that I can't listen to your episodes on them because of spoilers. Carrie, your criticism of Sue Snell was out of the blue for me. I found her actions genuine, but I'm never a believer in the unreliable narrator. Stranger Things, I was so vindicated by your coverage. My wife kept telling me to shut up about Stephen King while watching this show. During the quarry scene, I was insisting, Babe, this is literally straight out of IT. So it was great to hear someone who understands. IT. This book is the real reason I wrote this email. Firstly, the 44-hour audiobook by Stephen Weber is the greatest narration in any audiobook that I have ever heard. He deserves whatever award a narrator can get and anyone who wants to read IT should experience the audiobook version. I'm hesitantly super pumped for the upcoming movie, and I wanted to share a couple ideas that I haven't heard said before. One, Richie. Okay, I think adult Richie should be a cocaine addict. Stay with me here. Upon entering the story, he mentions a few time in the books, but I think his character should have after losing his childhood energy, kept on chasing that feeling, and turned to drugs to supply it. Upon re-entering Dairy, he finds that energy come back in a reflection of his childhood along with needing glasses and never touches coke again. I also think along this train of thought that he should be the one to die under Derry as he was the one who never truly grew up. Maybe it's stupid. 2. Pennywise Not It, but Pennywise. I want a big, overlong backstory on Robert Gray, a Derry child of whatever 28-year interval who was very interested in clowns but also got on the tracks of It. Upon finding the spider underneath the sewers, Halloween night, dressed as a clown, and getting to the deadlights... Bob Gray is offered the same life and prosperity the losers are offered, but accepts the offer and is consequentially taken into it and used as its, as its favorite face. That is pretty cool. That is a pretty cool reworking little take on uh, on the story. Um, yeah, I'm down for that. If they did that, that's great. I like that. Three, after defeating it as children and not being able to escape the sewers, Stephen King himself walks on the screen and suggests a child orgy to usher in their adulthood and escape the sewers. He is beaten bloody and we all move on. Ah, uh, yes, I completely agree with that. Um, I love Stephen King, uh, but man, that scene is such a blight on, on his record. Sorry for the long email. You read King, you can handle it, and I only hope it interested you. Thank you for all that you do. P.S. I'd love to hear a response to this and feel free to paraphrase if you want to read it on the show. Let me know if it will get live since I'm new to the world. I can't listen to every episode. So so Trey, man, thank you for writing in. Uh, This was a really strong email. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, That was a good one. That was a good one. So feel free to write in again up next we have jay who writes i discovered your podcast and listened to parts one and two of the stand and love your review i relive the novel through your summaries and love your insight as an aside i wanted to share with you that i first discovered stephen king with cujo when i was in fifth grade in 1983. i was reading the book in our school library when our librarian took it from me and circled passages and sent home a note to alert my mother that i was reading unacceptable material and i needed to have my mom sign the note so she was aware of the filth I was reading. Ugh. My mom not only signed the note, but sent her own note back to the librarian informing that I was allowed and encouraged to read anything I wanted. Thanks, Mom, Jay. And you know what? I'm going to jump on that. Thanks, Jay's mom. We need more moms like you. That's awesome. Sean Harrison writes... Oh. I don't know what happened to Sean Harrison. Uh, Sean Harrison, I will find your email somewhere i'm sorry i i have it in my notes but it seems to be gone oh no um so i apologize sean uh but we do have chris who writes hi i've been wanting to write to you for a while since i began listening to your podcast last year um it was so refreshing to find someone who shares the same obsession and love for something that i have for 29 years I am currently rereading King from Leeds in England over 20 years since I first read them as a teenager, then in the Midlands. I began with The Shining at the age of 16 and raced through his back catalog until I was up to date with The Dark Half, It, and Misery are my favorite novels but feel like most that King will long be remembered and defined by the Dark Tower series. I go to an SK book club once a month and we are currently on the first two Dark Tower novels. I finally got my way after six months of banging on about it reading King as an adult is a revelation and I agree wholeheartedly for example your views on Gerald's game and its implications or its accomplishments and flaws Bev and the boys in the sewer I won't <laughs> two emails back to back about this one um, I won't write at length about what I've reread as you must get plenty of similar emails I would, however, have to disagree and be interested in your response on one point, and it's quite small but relevant to me as I'm currently on the DT series, but here it goes. You refer to when Roland uses the phrase dude and that doesn't fit into the cowboy terminology. I see it that Roland doesn't fit into the cowboy world as we know it, but a post-catch-a-gnarly wave and post-hey-jude world, and is in fact an evolved cowboy, one that would have taken our subcultures and many more to come. Roland fits into the future world where the Beatles once existed and therefore the word dude. Sorry to be pedantic, especially as I love your podcast and could write another email on why I love it so much. Don't apologize. Don't apologize at all. Um that is Wait, this is Sean. So this so Sean, I don't know what happened um uh why it I have a note saying that this is Sean and it goes to Chris. I imagine that the next email probably is from chris so sean i apologize for this screw up and you do not have to apologize um this is what i need i need people you know sharing their thoughts with what i say because i'm not right i'm just sharing my opinions um and you're probably right um so fingers crossed for the dt film but i'm afraid this isn't going well and fear what's going to happen to it for example why are roland's clothes so clean and new in the publicity photos why are these the only photos we've seen where is a teaser Will the two leads jump ship before the TV series, or are they tied in? Uh, great questions. Well, at least we can answer one of them. We've got not just a teaser, but we have a full-on trailer, which I will get to shortly. Uh, will they jump ship before the TV series? Um, I doubt we're going to see them much in the TV series. Um, you know, I, I if we see them at all, um, I, I'm sure that it was just like a filming that will just take place over a period of a day or two while Roland narrates. Uh, to jake the story of his youth or maybe we won't even get idris elba i don't know maybe it'll just be a full-on flashback who knows um oh but the two leads matthew mcconaughey we would need matthew mcconaughey unless because he does change faces you could get a different actor in there in that role you don't need matthew mcconaughey i would like for them to get matthew mcconaughey yeah well, let's see. Well, I, it's all going to depend on the success of the movie. If the movie isn't, it doesn't do well, then we ain't getting any sequels or a television show. Anyway, Sean writes, Bring on It and Castle Rock. Agreed. Anyway, thanks for reading my email. I look forward to listening to future podcasts. Thank you, Sean. And then we get Dear Constant Reader. And here's Chris. Here we go. Dear Constant Reader, if you are reading this, then I am already dead. Now that I have your attention, I wanted to write and tell you that I've been a fan of your show as long as I have been a fan of Stephen King himself. Like, so ah stop. Chris, um, I, I don't give out awards, but if I did, you would definitely get an award for the best hook of any email that I've ever received. Um, that's a good one. Anyway, he continues. My name is Chris and I live in Glasgow, Scotland. I've never been a huge reader, but I've always been interested in writing. A few years ago my dad's birthday rolled around and I couldn't think what book to get him. I had heard great things about 112263, so I took a chance and grabbed him a copy. My dad loved the book, so I decided to give the audiobook a try, so that we could dissect the story together over some beers. I was hooked and I have been ever since. As I do whenever I finish a book or a movie, I check my iTunes podcast feed to see what I could find and stumbled onto your show. I absolutely loved it. Your analysis of the text is completely captivating whether I agree, Harold might be my favorite character in the stand, or disagree. I like Mr. Mercedes and thought it was fun, although I totally get your points. I like to write as a hobby, and I've come to find King to be a huge inspiration. His book on writing is such an incredible treasure trove of advice for aspiring writers, and also gr- just great general life advice. Do you think you will cover this book on your show? I'd love to get your take on it. Um, so let me interject. Uh, you're not the the first person to ask if I'm going to cover on writing. I currently don't have any plans to cover on writing. That isn't to say that I won't get to it in the future. Um, because I don't really know what I could add to Stephen King's nonfiction account of writing. You know, my... Anything that I would have to say about on writing is just me agreeing with Stephen King. So I I just don't really want to put out an hour plus podcast on me saying, I agree, I agree, I agree. You know, I just, I I, I do do a little writing. Um, I will admit I have not been as um, dedicated as I should have been, which was one of the reasons why I went on a Stephen King cast hiatus. And there hasn't really been too much uh, movement on that front. So that is me. Um, that's, that's totally me. So, I mean, but even though I dabble a little bit, I mean, I can't add it. I can't really add to any writing advice. So I, I, I just don't really see me writing um, or, or creating a, a podcast about on writing. So, but, you know, who knows? Um, who knows? Who knows what will happen in the future? um and you continue i still have a huge amount of king books to get through but i thoroughly look forward to diving into them oh and just so you guys know you know how this episode i'm 45 minutes into it by this point and and there's been some dings i'm getting text messages and every text message that i get is a friend of mine texting me about the dark tower trailer so that's that's that. I still have a huge amount of King books to get through, but I thoroughly look forward to diving into them. After reading The Gunsinger, I kind of wrote the Dark Ter- Dark Tower series off as being just too weird, but based on your recommendation, I'm going to persevere. Thank you for reading my email. I'm also a podcaster. I know how important it is to receive feedback from your audience, of which I can tell you you have a loyal one. I co-host my podcast with my friend, and if you wouldn't mind reading the name of it on your show, it would be really appreciated. And of course, of course I will. Our show is the Recast podcast, in which my friend and I take a movie or book or comic, and we and we recast all of the parts, as well as take a look at recent entertainment news. Now, that I would say is a very good um, niche for a podcast. I think that I I might not be able to give advice on writing. I can give some advice on podcasting. Um, make sure that you have something um, that that you can describe. The way that chris just described to me the way that i can um with with the stephen king cast one man's musings on the works of stephen king um each week i'll review one entry in the bibliography of stephen king in the chronological order of publication it's one mission that you have um i I think that when you're able to really pinpoint that down then you're able to offer something unique into the world so that would be my advice for podcasting and the recast podcast sounds like you did just that that sounds awesome and Chris continues, if you are ever interested, we have yet to cover anything by, by King, but I've been dying to recast The Stand, so you'd be welcome to Skype with us anytime. Um, I might take you up on that. I don't know. I don't know yet. Let me see what the summer holds. Also, as a proud Scotsman, I'd like to plug one of my favorite Scots authors, Christopher Brookmeyer. Awesome last name. His work is always action-packed and hilarious. I don't think he is well-known in the U.S., which is a shame because he is incredible. I highly recommend his novel, One Fine Day in the Middle of the Night. It's die hard on a hotel built out of an oil rig filled with junk and glass on a school, high school reunion. That sounds awesome. All right. Uh, Thank you again for taking the time to read my rambling. I love the show and I look forward to many, many more. Monsters are real. Kind regards from Scotland. Chris. Chris, thank you for writing in. These are some really good emails, guys. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Like I said, I can't do without you. So just feel free to write all your thoughts on Stephen King and the Stephen King cast. When you first got into Stephen King, your favorite Stephen King quote, your favorite Stephen King book, the things that you like and dislike about Stephen King, fears that you have about Stephen King's upcoming adaptations, whatever. Whatever you want it to be in regards to Stephen King or Joe Hill or whatever you want, write into Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com and I will read your listener email um, on the air. And when I get a chance, I will definitely respond to you you um it does take a while for me to respond i do apologize to that i am much quicker at being able to read them on there than i am to responding but if you take the time to 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 write to me i will definitely take the time to either read it on air um and eventually respond to you guys so thank you so much everybody that that wrote in um and if you have written in just because you written in once doesn't mean that you don't have to write in again you know feel free to keep them coming ladies and gentlemen here we go At 46 minutes into this podcast, I think that it is time to switch gears. I think that it is time for us to talk about what happened today on May 3rd, 2017. Today I woke up in a world where there exists a trailer for Stephen King's The Dark Tower. And I'll get to that experience in a little bit, but in the first, uh, before we get to that... I just keep teasing this. I apologize. Um, let me one more time put this into context context a little bit. Um, because for those of you who have been following me on Twitter um, and been listening to my my uh, reviews over the last six months or so, um, one person on Twitter uh, put it perfectly and it cracks me up that the, the trailer for The Dark Tower has been my Dark Tower. I've been searching it. It has frustrated me. It has driven me insane. I've been obsessing over it. Uh, and uh, Sony's releasing this tower has been like the Dark Tower itself. Totally true. So let's talk about the build-up a little bit about the Dark Tower movie. I mean, so as it goes as far back as the the days... I mean, J.J. Lind, um J.J. Uh, J.J. Lindelof. Uh, but no, uh, J.J. Abrams, Damon Lindelof were involved at one point. Uh, Ron Howard came very close to... Um, he was actually thinking ahead of the curve. He was He was ahead of his time. He was thinking of a movie television show adaptation combination i mean and this is before netflix or amazon uh became what they are right so at the time it was very forward thinking but a little too frightening for the major studios so they kind of fell into developmental hell um and then next thing we know um just over one year ago in april entertainment weekly released uh um, online uh, Entertainment Weekly released news, uh, broke the news, and had a big story on the Dark Tower. Idris Elba got cast. Matthew McConaughey was cast, and they they, they really broke down a lot of the information about Nikolai Arcel's uh, Dark Tower movie with Ron Howard as one of the producers. So that that was big. That was big. Um, so it was really happening. After all these years, it was really happening. Then the the summer hit. And guys, it was all I have to do is go listen to my episodes of the Stephen King cast during the summer. I was into it. There was people uh, that were snapping photos of the, the New York uh, shooting locations, um, just you know, pictures of Roland or Idris Elba as Roland and uh, Matthew McConaughey as the, the Man in Black started hitting the web, and it was just awesome. Then Entertainment Weekly uh, released uh, their uh, Dark Tower issue and and really broke down what the story was going to be, had exclusive pictures, and then Sony released the Sombra app, which you know is a you know for fans of the the, the Dark Tower. I mean that just tickled our funny bone, and there was interactive. Uh, publicity where you could hold the sombra app up to it and then you would see a portal open and just really cool fun stuff nothing huge nothing major but enough to like cause a buzz and if you're a stephen king fan it's it's really cool and then san diego comic-con uh without any fanfare they had beryl evans the 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 quote-unquote writer of charlie the choo-choo which um isn't going to factor into this movie but i mean blaine is one of the most memorable characters of the the dark tower series so to have beryl evans there um it was really really cool and if you hold you know beryl evans like the the cover of charlie the Chucho, i'm pretty sure works with the sombra app as well so it was just everything was just rocking and rolling and uh things the 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 cot the cot the the coctet the tet corporation um was walking around the Sadio Comic Con giving out backpacks and pens and stuff. So I mean just a lot of cool stuff was happening. A lot of cool stuff. Um and then they were gonna they had announced that they were going to release uh the first trailer in October. At this point, the movie was scheduled for release in February of 2017. So the trailer was going to come out around uh, October. Uh, then we heard that they were going to appear at Pop Fest in California in October. So um, the, the the word I keep going back to at this time was confident. There seemed to be a lot of confidence um, in, in the Dark Tower. And uh, then a couple things happened. There was a leaked version um of a trailer that came out i believe on october 11th um i think that's the day um so early october a unauthorized unfinished rough cut trailer hit the web uh with all of the force of a wet bullet uh not firing i'll talk about that leaked trailer and I wanted to talk about it for months, but I held off because I wanted Sony to release the trailer on its own terms. But I definitely had thoughts on what I saw. So that was the first thing that made me go, huh. And then they pulled out a pop fest. And then all publicity stopped around the Dark Tower and I started to get worried. And then they delayed it from February to this summer. And then I started to get really worried. <laughs> Let me hold back. Actually, it wasn't necessarily me getting worried. Because at first I said, okay, no, you know what? Them spending time on making sure that this this is the right movie is fine. This giving them more time to work on the FX, that's a good move. I'm fine with that. And it allows them more time to market it, which is great for everybody. The problem was they didn't market it. And then months go by, and months go by, and nothing happens. And so then I started looking at it. I started looking at adaptations <clears throat> of um, of literary works, and the the space in between uh, the the trailer and the 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 release. And so Gone Girl, there was eight months between the tw- the teaser and the release girl on the train there was six months between the teaser and the release the girl with the dragon tattoo six months harry potter and the deathly hallows six months divergent seven months twilight six months maze runner six months so you know december we were supposed to get uh, a trailer on christmas day that didn't happen February rolls around so I'm starting to think around this time listen like we can get to the you know February and it, it won't be bad but the problem was February came and went March came and went um, and then we're getting closer and closer to the summer release date which got pushed again from July until August and then over the last couple of weeks I just said screw it Sony I I was a major fan I was behind you but I fell off like I just lost faith I lost confidence I cried off the tower, so to speak. Um, and then a couple things happened. Uh, they announced some reshoots. Um, and then they just dropped the poster one day. And the poster was rad. I like. I just used the word rad two times in this podcast. And probably the last time I used the word rad was 1989. Uh, but anyway, the, the poster was great. I was into it. And I said, okay, so this movie is happening. Um, and then uh, there was CinemaCon. Uh they they had some footage um at CinemaCon and uh it came out to to mixed reviews which kinda had me worried, but at the same time there was some stuff that people saw in it, they were like, This is awesome. So I'm like, Oh my god, here we go. So like I'm just like this ping-pong ball going back and forth, going back and forth. Um and then still there's no word, no release, no trailer, no anything. You know, the the CinemaCon also um or maybe it was south by southwest both happen around the same time but regardless around that time um before the trailer for it dropped um new line showed footage and a trailer of it and then like a week later they dropped the trailer for it so we could have you know if if sony was working on the same timetable um we maybe could have gotten a trailer like a month ago when we got the it trailer so um all of that started happening and i just gave up caring at this point I I just gave up thinking that we were going to get a trailer and then last week there was an image that started circulating around the internet and that was just verification and it's ridiculous that this little memo circulated around the internet and that memo said that a trailer has been approved for the Dark Tower and it was listed as Dark Tower trailer number two which makes me think that they were going to release that first trailer, but based on the feedback, they pulled it. That's that's what I think happened. And this is now trailer number two. But it's the first trailer that we're officially seeing. Um, And so we knew that it was coming this week. Um, And oh my God, we got a trailer coming this week. And then Tuesday happened. Okay, Wednesday. So as I record this, yesterday happened. And... I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that Sony actually was announcing that today we were getting a trailer. Not only were they going to drop it, they were going to tease it. And I know that that's standard practice now, but it doesn't make it any less exciting. So the first thing that they did, they announced that it was happening. Then they released these motion pictures, um, which I wasn't super fond of, but whatever. Like a picture of Jake, a picture of Roland, and a picture of the man in black, okay? Okay. The boy, the, dark, uh, the man in black, and the gunslinger—the Th- three main characters in motion pictures—totally, um, I'm down for. It. Even if I didn't think that was the best way, I'm like, okay, if that's all we get, whatever, it's all we get. But it wasn't all we got. Sony wasn't done with us. Um, Sony released two teasers for the trailer, and that's when I said, "Oh my god!" Sony got me upset for months. But they might be redeeming themselves here. Because what they did um, with these two little teasers... Let me start by talking about these little teasers. Um, Like 15 seconds each. We get the gunslinger and the man in black. So the gunslinger's teaser starts with what? But a doorway. Standing against the backdrop of a post-apocalyptic landscape. So it's not specifically the, uh, the beach... But it is something that we recognized. And not just a door frame, but one with four numbers inscribed upon the top: 1919. Dude, that's so 19. Um, and you know that I don't like the whole 19 thing, but I can't help but say, oh, right. That's a little bit of nerddom that's gonna go a long way. That's tickling my fanboy funny bone right there. Um, and that's how it starts. And then we get a little bit of the gunslinger's litany read by Idris Elba, read by the gunslinger himself. So to hear those words, those iconic words spoken aloud in the teaser for a trailer, as we see Roland, okay okay, guys, so what we see is Roland's bullets um, in a bundle coming down and him whipping his guns to them and then... Pulling his arms back so that his guns load mid-air. Um, and then he fires. And it was dope. Uh, it gave me goosebumps. And I said, damn, that is Cool. That is cool. And the look on his face, just this, like, I'm going to murder you. And that's my resting face. That Idris Elba was able to get that. I said, okay, okay. Is it tomorrow yet? Is it Wednesday yet? And I start freaking out. And I start acting like uh, Eddie Dean on the beach, uh, just needing a fix. I honestly was just going nuts. Um, And then we got, you know, there was the other teaser for The Man in Black. And then just watching matthew mcconaughey's swagger now keep in mind that matthew mcconaughey was originally tapped to play randall flag so for the fact that we get randall flag himself playing randall flag as the man in black as martin broadcloak um it is awesome and i'll get to this more in the trailer and he doesn't do as much but he's walking across not necessarily a blasted landscape but a like a like a, a, a wintry, not Wonderland, but just snow, which isn't something that we typically see in our Dark Tower uh, series. So that was that was cool that we saw something different. Um, but to hear Matthew McConaughey utter the following two words, "the tower," and for it to say the tower will fall, come on, that is just that just for that to happen yesterday, it just made the wait for today excruciating and then they released two posters as well so like sony he basically it's like a a garden hose right when uh you're not getting any stream of water or like when you like crinkle it up and you just fold it up and you don't get any stream of water and then you let it go and you get a ton of it that's kind of what happened we didn't get anything for months and then we get this deluge and so we get two character posters um Uh, like one seeks to protect it, one seeks to destroy it, I I believe. And so one is of Roland, one is of the man in black. And the picture of Roland is really cool with him and the guns and the guns are glowing. And I'll get to that in a little bit, but it was it. Here we go. It is like Christmas Eve. And uh, I I just, I I didn't know what to expect. So then I woke up this morning and uh, the first thing I did I checked Twitter and I saw that I had a ton of notifications, and I said, "Oh my god!" And they get ready for the day, whatever. I have a job, so I had to get I had to get ready for the day. Um, but then I, I checked Twitter again, and someone had sent me a link, and I clicked on it, and it brought me to YouTube, and I saw a picture of a video of the man in black facing off against the gunslinger, and underneath it said, "The Dark Tower." Dash, official trailer in parentheses Sony 2017 after after all these years after all these centuries here I was standing in my driveway ready to go to work in the spring summer the spring sun is coming down I'm about to watch the Dark Tower trailer I hit play and I'll get in. the trailer and i'll get into the specifics but you know me i'll be honest with you guys i stood in my driveway this morning and i cried um and at one point i literally shouted out loud um that gun loading scene (laughs) that was awesome and i'll get to that in a little bit um but yeah for good or for bad um i definitely shed a tear this morning because it just brought me back to being 5th grade, 6th grade, whenever it was, when I when I first read The Gunslinger. All of the, the time that I had spent ruminating on The Dark Tower and thinking about how The Dark Tower fit into all of his different works and looking for all these connections and um, all of the heartbreak that came along with it and me getting mad at Stephen King for what he did in The Dark Tower and then coming back and realizing what he did was actually brilliant. Um... And the Dark Tower being one of the reasons why I wanted to do the Stephen King cast, to revisit the the entire body of Stephen King's works in order to contextualize the Dark Tower. Um, here I was, watching the Dark Tower trailer. So, rather than go frame by frame the way that I did with the IT trailer, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to break down this trailer uh, into three components. Based on the title of a movie that inspired, partially, uh, the first book in the Dark Tower series, The Gunslinger. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me go through uh, this trailer by pointing out the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay, guys. So let's talk about the good, Uh, so I guess there's no easy way of saying this, but um, the only way I can put it is Roland's supernatural ability to murder people. Uh, Guys, this is his, I wrote supernatural, but it's it's his superpower, alright? His superpower is murdering people, uh, and this trailer does an incredible job at showing Roland's gung-fu ability. Gung Fu, by the way, all the credit goes to Joe Bob Briggs for that one. Um, but listen, I, I, at some point, I guess I gotta talk a little bit about that original trailer that never was released, um, and 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 I'm glad that they didn't. But they they didn't show how cool the gunplay is here in the original trailer, um, and I was not happy with what I saw with the guns or the loading, the guns loading or anything like that. Um, but this, guys, we see. Many different ways of how Roland loads his guns. Um, and he's gun loading, gun jumping, shooting. And like I said, like when every time he shoots a gun, it looks like he means it. And he's firing guns the entire, the entire uh, trailer. So clearly the man's name is Roland the Gunslinger. It's important for them to be able to have Idris Elba sell us um, the, the idea that he is a, a stone cold murdering, I don't want to say psychopath, but stone cold murderer who his like his superpower is to murder people. They do a great job with that. So he has, he's able to just punch his guns down. Um, he, he punches him down and kind of pulls up and he's able to, to load his guns. Like I said, there's that awesome shot where the, the, the bullets are, are falling and he swings his arms over and then pulls them back and then loads the guns that way. But the one that got me, the one where I shouted in my driveway this morning, King took the time to talk about how quickly he can fill his guns um, with, with lead. And we see him literally pouring bullets from his fingers into the revolver and then snapping it shut in, like, a second. I never thought we would see something like that because I just didn't think that it was something that was going to be filmable. And I, I know that, like, you know, CGI was used with it, but it was incredible. Like, I screamed in the middle of my driveway this morning. It was awesome. Um, and here's the thing. Like, in an age where guns, like, are a hot topic of political pressure, this trailer has not shied away from fetishizing his ability to slaughter people with his weapons while looking really damn cool at doing it. Um, so that, that's interesting to me because I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about um, this movie uh, with, with guns being what they are. Um, and the older I get, the more hesitant I am just about guns in general. But this, you know, but I'm able to, to separate fact from fiction, right? From real life, from from the fictionalized world. But this just looks so he looks like Roland and I know that there's a contingent of people out there that don't want Roland to be black or they will say that he doesn't have blue eyes um but to me this is Roland this is Roland like I have 100% always been behind Idris Elba as Roland um because you need a guy some people have said that it should be Scott Eastwood because when Stephen King created it like it was Clint Eastwood and it's like That's such a superficial reason to me. Like, you need someone that is going to be able to be haunted, to be able to be loving, that is going to be able to be kingly and murderous and a cowboy and a knight and determined and obsessed and vengeful and gentle and all of these things. And that's Idris Elba. He's got it. And we see that in him. Um, Oh, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. Okay. Okay. The second thing um, in the good category, the Easter eggs. Uh, I knew about one, so I was looking for it. I didn't know about the second one until it was pointed out to me on Twitter. So the first was um, when Jake is in his psychiatrist's office and uh, the beam quake, I'm going to get to that in a second, happens. Uh, it cuts, like everything is shaking, and it cuts to a framed photograph on the psychiatrist's desk of. The Overlook Hotel. I mean, come on. So for anyone that isn't a fan, like it's just going to be whatever. It's just, you would think that it's just the uh, the director showing us this, what they probably think is an earthquake. But for fans, it's like, oh my God, it's the Overlook. It's just a nice Easter egg. It doesn't have to mean anything else. Although I will say it cuts directly from that to the Dutch Hill House, which I think is just, maybe that was just coincidence, but it's cool. Like here's Stephen King's most famous haunted house. Here's another haunted house in the work of Stephen King. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then in the post-apocalyptic midworld, world uh, we see Jake walking around what looks like a torn down, broken down, uh, uh like circus, uh, or amusement park. It, it, it's a really creepy looking. It's really creepy looking. Um, but you see like fake balloons, uh, and just the words Pennywise so again they don't have to do it and it doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean that pennywise is showing up but from what i understand the original script was just chock full of these uh stephen king shout outs references and easter eggs and i am totally for it it's going to make my experience of watching this movie all the more potent trying to find as many as i can so i guess that and like i said the, the 1919 um that was wasn't in the trailer but it was in the teaser for the trailer um So I'm totally down for that stuff. It's really, really cool. It's really cool. I'm telling you, it's time. This is the time to be a Stephen King fan. Okay, I should have started off with this one. So there's no rhyme or reason uh, for all of these good ones, for all these good parts. um, Why It's just kind of just a stream of consciousness thought. And I should have started with this. (sighs) The movie's called The Dark Tower, right? Guys, we live in a world... (laughs) where today we watched a trailer for a movie called the dark tower and we saw the dark tower like that is what i can't believe i can't get over that that that, that i i watched i just watched it on my television a little while ago i watched it on my phone and watch on my computer and in three different video screens i saw the tower standing there what the tower wasn't looking in pretty good shape um so it's probably just like a vision or a what-could-be if the tower falls, but the things that we saw of the tower, um, pretty impressive shots. Not only not only do we see the tower, we see the goddamn beams shooting out of the top of the tower. Um, it's, I don't know why little things like that make me teary-eyed, but the little things like that make me teary-eyed. Um, that maybe it's just, you know, people. I know people have complained that they're changing so much about the Dark Tower, but how much are they really changing if one of the key components is the fact that there are 12 invisible beams that shoot out from the top of the Dark Tower and it's shown pretty prominently in the trailer? I mean, really, like, if you think about changes, any of the changes, it, it's not so much changes as just reconfiguring what is already there. Um, and the fact that we have the beams so prominent in this trailer shows me that, yeah, there might be different,, um, they might focus on on different things that weren't focused on the first time around and emphasis might be placed in one place rather than placing it somewhere else. but the goddamn beams are in the tower. I mean, in the trailer. the, the goddamn beams are there. Like this is the dark tower.. Whew. Number four, midworld. Um, This trailer is packed With a number of different settings Um, And then we don't see the specificity Of Midworld's particular mix Of broken down uh, current day technology In a post-apocalyptic setting It's still impressive And at one point we see what looks like The ruins of a skyscraper Completely overgrown by nature um, Which I really like It shows just how far in the future it is Um, And I just love how arduous their journey is walking through deserts, walking through rivers. Um, and, I, and in the beginning of the trailer, here, here's a question for you guys. What do you think that particular location is when Roland is narrating about the gunslingers being um, knights uh, standing against darkness for a thousand generations? Um, do you, I mean, is, just that, just, is that just a random shot of a place in Midworld? Is that Algil Siencho, which we know will be playing a part in it? Um, is it the the outside of the Dixie Pig? Um, at least the Dixie Pig's place in Midworld. Or, this is what I first thought, this is the wreckage of Gilead. If it's the wreckage of Gilead, which it really could be, because unbeknownst to me, we're getting some Stephen Duchesne in this movie, which I did not expect. Come on, you've forgotten the face of your father? Fucking Roland talking about forgetting the face of your father and we see the face of his father? <sighs> um, I, I I you know what I haven't said whether or not I like this trailer or not. Ah, uh, I like this trailer. I like this trailer a lot, guys. Um, and then five the doorway demon. Um, I know that Jake's uh entry into Midworld is different from how it happens in the books. Um, but I'm fine with this change because in the books, remember that when Stephen King wrote the gunslinger he was 19 years old he's still starting out and the gunslinger whether you like the gunslinger or not you can't help but agree that it feels so much different um than any of the other editions in the dark it just doesn't even feel like a stephen king book um it feels very literally uh it feels very literary uh feels very flowery and i like it don't get me wrong i like it but um But, I mean, Jake is not as much a character as he is a walking symbol, right? Um, He is a sacrifice. He is David reincarnated, um, if you want to look at it that way. He is basically just a trap set by the the man in black. And Jake actively seeking out Roland in this movie gives Jake agency. It gives him purpose. It makes him proactive. It makes him an actual character with an actual um, motivation, he isn't just a damsel in distress. Um, so I'm totally fine with him seeking out the Dutch Hill mansion. Um, and this is why, I, I to me, this these movies feel very much adapted from the later books because we saw a lot more of the technology. We saw scientific magic doorways um, rather than those straight-up doorways. We saw how the the great old ones had been able to replicate what the, the original people had uh, done through magic, except they were able to do it by science. So the fact that we are able to see these scientific doors, um, it's, again, all within the source material. So we see Jake enter through a science door. However, we clearly see the doorway demon. Whether the doorway demon is at the Dutch Hill House or in another location, on un- we don't quite know yet. But we see a doorway demon that really looks like it was described by Stephen King, um, made up out of floorboards and plaster and wall, um, just really going after Jake. So I'm, I was really surprised to see that in the trailer. Very excited I saw it in the trailer. Number six, I've already mentioned this, Makane having fun. This dude looks like he's having a blast with this part. And, and that's exactly what we need out of our Martin Walter Randall flag. Come on, guys. We got the we got the guy that should be playing Randall Flag playing. We can't call him Randall Flag, um, but he's playing Randall Flag. Um, and I love the the particular look that he has. I know that some people aren't happy that he's not wearing cloaks, but I'm gonna really push back on that. If you go back and reread the Gunslinger, um, he's not described as having a cloak. He has a hood, but he's also like wearing denim. He's like an anti gunslinger almost um so that image that we have of the magician in the cloaks comes more from i believe probably um martin and especially flag from eyes of the dragon so it's funny how our memory is not as fixed as we think that it is and the things that we get mad at like roland not having a hat um that that image comes more from the michael whelan stuff than it does from stephen king describing roland and his hat um, because that, that description really isn't in the books. Uh, I'm sure he does wear hats from time to time, but I would say that from the dark, from the, the drawing of the three all the way to the the end, dude, the, the dude's not described as having a hat. That's just an image that was planted in our head. That was it's like Inception. Michael Whelan just incepted us. Um, so the same thing here. Uh, McConaughey's look is is a little bit different. Um, he 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 doesn't have the cloak. Uh, he do, He's not even wearing denim. But the dude's wearing black, and he looks like a sci-fi wizard. And I'm fine with it. Totally fine with it. And his hair looks like raven's feathers, which is perfectly in keeping with him being Randall Flagg. I mentioned this earlier, but number seven, beamquakes! Like I said, they're pulling from all aspects of, of all of the books, and the beamquakes started to occur in the later portions of the book. Um, of, the, of the later books. So the fact that we start showing seeing the beamquakes right up front... Um, that shows that King didn't know that he was going to have beam quakes. King didn't know how the tower was going to fall. He wound up figuring it out. And so rather than adapt the books in the chronolog- chronological order of publication when King didn't know where he was headed, why is it wrong for the storytellers to be able to look at the hole and know where it's going and then be able to tell the, tell the story knowing where it's going to go? Like that helps inform how they're going to tell that story. So I'm fine with these changes that they're making. All right, number eight, the good. Here are the following terms in this trailer, which we did not get in the original trailer um, that was never released, which made me so mad. But we get them here. We get the following terms used. The tower, the man in black, and the gunslinger. Jake drops these terms to his psychiatrist. But here's the kicker. Um, So not only is he identifying these very iconic terminologies, um, when he mentions the gunslinger, we cut to an image of Roland in the desert. So when the trailer needs to do so, it invokes that classic line that started it all. The man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Those words aren't spoken specifically, but they are invoked when they needed to. Number nine. All hail the Crimson King. Not only do I love that this is in the trailer, but I love the way that Martin taps it with his knuckles on his way through the Dixie Pig. Which brings me to the Dixie Pig. Knowing that we're gonna see this gets me excited. We don't see much, and we don't see a lot of the denizens of the Dixie Pig, but one of the locales that we see is the Dixie Pig. Number 11, the Gunslinger's Litany. Not only does this get mentioned here, but it is made to look very, very cool. This is a major focus of this trailer, which shows me that the, the creative effort behind this movie knows and loves the source material. Guys, every time I watch this trailer, and I've watched it a ton today, I get goosebumps every single time. Number 12, the complete lack of Of behind blue eyes so for those of you who watched that uh, unofficial trailer that was released on the internet knows that for whatever reason uh, they um, put in a a cover version uh, acoustic slowed down creepified version of behind blue eyes which has nothing to do with the dark tower series um, and it really made me worried that this was going to be in this, this trailer, uh, because to me it was a complete misunderstanding of, of the Dark Tower series. You didn't include Voodoo Fly, you didn't include Hey Jude, you didn't include Someone Save My Life Tonight, you didn't include any of the songs that you could have included, but Behind Blue Eyes, which was never, never referenced, and if anything, if anything, it was only going to infuriate people that were mad because Roland doesn't have blue eyes. Um... So I am. I was so happy, and I'm not even trying to be joking here. I was so happy that this tra- that this song was not in this trailer because to me it. I was worried that it was going to be, and the fact that it did not give it to us um, just, just really redeemed um, that that fake released trailer. Money, um, number thirteen. This movie doesn't look cheap. It looks really slick. If nothing else. This is a good-looking movie with some really cool camera angles um, and, and some, some, uh, some definite talent on display, how to capture a moment. And I mentioned this a lot in the It trailer, that moments that should stand out, stand out. And they really looked at uh, Nikolai Arcelin, whoever the cinematographer is, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, they, they looked at these moments that should be cool and made them cool. I'm totally fine with it. Number fourteen, the music. Um, I don't know if this is um, music that was taken elsewhere or if this is actual original Junkie XL. But I, I really like the music. Um, how it is epic and important, but there's some um, mischievousness to the, uh, the 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 music as well, which I think um, encompasses all of the characters in this in this movie. Um, Roland has the intensity of Roland, has the, the epic bass that to me stands in for the tower, and that, that tinkling, um, it just it makes me think of, of, uh, of, of, of Martin, because don't forget that he darkles and tinks, and that, that music equivalent to me is in this trailer. Number 15, Roland and Martin's past is teased. Um, at one point, Martin says, everyone you love dies by my hands. Now, this hints at Roland's tragic backstory and puts a cloud over Jake's involvement in it. Um, so the fact that they have a past, the fact that that's being pushed in this trailer, um, I'm very, very happy with. Number 16, Roland and Jake training. I mean, come on, guys. That image of the two of them standing, aiming their guns together as the narration of Idris Elba giving the gunslingers litany um, plays out over the music is incredible. Um, And then number 17, Roland's stranger in a strange land redemption look on his face as he crosses over into New York City. I mean, so he's starting to feel again. The ice is starting to thaw. Um, what Jake is going to represent in this story. Jake is the one that's going to get him back on the, the path of the tower because Roland is on a vengeance quest against, uh, the man in black here. Um, and Jake is the one that's going to give him purpose again. Um, and so I just like the idea that he's been in the wilderness in this broken world for so long. And just the look on his face when he's looking around New York city, um, and New York City looks great, by the way. This isn't like Vancouver. This is like legit New York at night, the way that New York is supposed to look at night. Like, it looks awesome. Uh, number uh, 18, Tull. Really looking forward to Tull. Um, I'm not sure if Tull is the exact same location um, where the Man-Eye are going to be, because I know the Man-Eye are going to be in this. Um... But I assume that when everything is on fire, um, I assume that that's tall. Um, and that brings me to number 19, which is a good, good number to end on with the good. Um, and that's Roland's glowing guns. So there's been a lot of controversy around the fact that Roland's uh, guns now glow when he shoots. And I didn't like it at first. Now, the only thing that we really see in terms of the guns glowing here is at the end, during that awesome shot where the trailer slows down as Jake is going to get taken by one of the Taheen. I'll get to the Taheen in a second or the toy. um, whatever. Uh, so when he's running away with Jake and Roland doesn't chase after him, he just quiets himself, he centers himself, and he kills with his heart. Um, it is awesome. So as he's about to fire his gun. You'll see that that's when the the gun glows. So if his guns glow because he's channeling his ka into a finishing move, I'm totally fine with it. I am totally fine with it. Um, in fact, I really like it. It's a really cool visual way to show his abilities. So you sold me trailer on the glowing guns. Totally fine with it. That scene was incredible. Um, it really that's a really cool way to show Roland and his superpowers. All right. So that's the good. Um, here's the bad, guys. Uh, humans in the Dixie Pig. Um, humans with machine guns. It's going to be cool to see Roland go up against a bunch of people in machine guns. I'm fine with that. Um, but as you know, the Dixie Pig is full of monsters, straight-up monsters. Uh, Cantoy, Tahin, and vampires. And for us to just see humans in the Dixie Pig is a huge letdown because all of the monsters are distinct and monstrous. Uh, they all look different. You have different kinds of vampires. You have ancient vampires. Uh, you have type 1, type 2 vampires. You have different-looking uh, monsters with different animal heads. You have monsters wearing human th- masks. Like, it's, it's, it's nightmare, um, and we don't get that. Um, we get very generic looking bad guys, which really makes me upset. Um, which leads me to my next thing here, Ninja monsters. Um, I understand that they're they're probably supposed to be the Tahine and the Kantoy. Um, but these characters in the books, like I said, they're very specific in their monstrosity. Um, you know, I mean, the low man, I love the low man, how garish they are and how stupid they are and how they walk around with human faces. One thing I will say that was in my, when I made my The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly um, of the trailer that was never released, at one point, Jake is walking around New York City and he's looking around and he sees someone following him and he's adjusting his face. Um, so I just love that the low men have human masks in the movies however the low man was wearing like just a leather jacket i really wish that they were wearing like brightly colored yellow blazers and green blazers and they they like really stood out i really wish that because that's not something that you you typically see they just look like ninja orcs here so on one hand i do get it's cool that we're gonna have cowboys fighting ninjas like and that's never gonna not be cool but um not at the expense of the originality in King's original interpretation of it. Number three, um, the monster in the woods. Okay, I don't like this monster in the woods because it feels very out of place. It feels from a different, um, different book altogether, unless it's a guardian. Now, you might not know what I'm referring to, and I could be wrong on this, but I hope that I'm right, and I can't take credit for this, But online speculation posits that the monster that Jake and Roland face in the woods is not just some generic fantasy monster, but one of the Guardians of the Beam, one that we haven't seen yet in the books. Um, In the original trailer, we actually kind of get a better look at it, um, and it looked like a monstrous rat. Now, as we know, the rat is one of the Guardians. Um, So, encountering this Guardian and not Shardik continues to set this adaptation apart from the books, and in a good way. This kind of change honors the source material by acknowledging that on this go-around, things are different. And what better way to show us the difference by showing us what we haven't seen before, namely the other Guardians. And it looks like... You know, Jake goes to Midworld, but Jake and Roland wind up going back into New York, so they have to get there for a reason. And I think that the man-eye put them back on the path of the beam, and where they are, that particular beam, is the beam by way of the rat. Um, that's going to be my guess. I think that that's the rat guys, and they defeat the rat, and they use the rat's doorway. I think that that's what's going to happen. Um, but if it's not the rat... If it is the rat, this goes in the good category. If it's not the rat, this is bad. Uh, Number four, familiarity. Um, I would say that there's something about this that seems a little too familiar. Not because I've read the books, um, but because in some ways this feels very young adult novel to me. Um, And I don't mind them restructuring the books at all. I do not. I'm fine with interpretations. Um, But I do not want them to lose the sheer lunacy of these novels in the process. Because what I love about the King books. Is that they're just so weird. Um, and I don't want them to lose the weirdness. There's aspects of this trailer. That make me worried. That it's going to be middle of the road. And I don't want it to be that. Um, so when I, like I said. When I see the bad guys just dressed in black. That worries me. Um, the fact that they're just kind of faceless monsters. That worries me. That the monsters don't have distinct personalities. And distinct visages um that bothers me it makes me worried number five is a lack of a western setting again i'm fine with them changing aspects and rearranging things but there's something to be said about the juxtaposition of sci-fi and uh the western setting and maybe westworld has beaten into the punch but i remember when i watched westworld i said damn it's a cool combo and i would like to see the dark tower do it so they have really pushed aside the western for more of the fantasy sci-fi that we really started to see in the wastelands on you know because when they're walking through the woods it feels very fantasy and then they go into lud and it's it feels very sci-fi and then there's blaine and it's all sci-fi and it doesn't really dovetail back into the the Western genre until um, you know uh, Wolves of the Kala, you know, um, because even even Wizard in Glass, Roland and Cuthbert and Elaine on horseback almost feel like knights in a medieval knight story. Um, you know, he's you know feels you know cowboyish in a way, in a way, but. Uh, But no, I mean, it looks like they have replaced the Western entirely for for fantasy slash sci-fi. The fantasy sci-fi mashup that he did touch upon. It is there, but almost as if the the Western aspect is gone entirely. And like I said already, number six is just the lack of weird. Um, All we seem to get here in terms of bad guys are ninja orcs and dudes with machine guns. And to me, that's not enough. Um, Oh, going back up to good? Uh, Roland tackling, uh, no, actually, I think it's actually Sayer tackling Roland out the window. That's pretty badass. That That's Jackie Earl Haley. Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, just grabbing Roland and throwing him out the window, or maybe it's Roland tackling him out the window. Either way, it's still pretty cool. And the ugly. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a cheat. There's no ugly here. Um, there's really not. I am really happy with this trailer. I have some reservations. I do. But don't get me wrong, from here on out, I'm excited about this movie. I'm going to see Guardians of the Galaxy uh, tomorrow night, and I really hope it plays in front of the Guardians of the Galaxy on an IMAX. Um, I hope I get to see this um, on the largest screen possible, with uh, the sound cranked up all the way that it can go. I'm going to look forward to seeing if we get another trailer, which we could. Um, I'm looking forward to TV spots. I'm looking forward to the chatter. I'm looking forward to any more posters that we might get. I'm looking forward to interviews. I'm looking forward to the buzz. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the anticipation of me counting down the days until I see it this summer. I'm looking forward to seeing it opening night for good and for bad, for ill. The Dark Tower is here, guys. It is here. <laughs> My voice just cracked. I'm Peter Brady. The Dark Tower is here, and I am so happy. Um, so I know that I have been very critical of Sony and, um, Sony, I just want to say, I do apologize. Uh, you have made my life, uh, hell, uh, for months, but, uh, you redeemed yourself here. This was a really good trailer and I see a lot of confidence here. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited. So I, uh, those are my thoughts on the trailer. Um, I'm sure more thoughts will come. Uh, in the days and weeks to come. So make sure that you're following me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. But um, in the meantime, there's two predictions I want to share. So as we know, uh, Jake is seeing a psychiatrist because he is seeing visions of the tower. Um, And if you have read interviews uh, regarding the story, you know why Jake is having visions of the tower and his involvement with Flag or Martin. So he's seeing a psychiatrist, he's drawing pictures of what he's seeing in his dreams. I think this is what's going to happen. Uh, I think the movie is going to end and there's going to be a, a teaser at the very end, a stinger. A post credit sequence in which Jake has not died and he's still with Roland. Or maybe Jake does die, but um, you know he wakes back up in Earth. Regardless, I think this is what we're going to see. So let's just stick with him being with, with Roland. I think Roland is going to be looking through his uh, his art um, and the drawings that he has, the drawings that he's brought with him to Midworld, because keep in mind that he does bring his drawings with him to Midworld. I think he's going to pull out a couple sheets of paper, and Jake is going to turn to him, and he's going to look at Roland and say something along the lines of, Roland, I don't think we're all here yet. Then the camera is going to zoom in on the two, or two, maybe three, Uh, pages of paper and we're going to see a wheelchair and we're going to see a heroin needle and maybe we're going to see a little raccoon I think that'd be an awesome way to tease the next movie maybe it's going to end with uh, two glowing eyes following uh, Roland and uh, Jake and then we get a little bark and the screen goes black That'd be a cute little way to end it. Or maybe it ends with them walking along uh, a beach and the surf is coming up and the scene fades to black and you hear the surf and you hear the surf and you start to hear another noise. Da-da-chick, da da chak. That'd be a cool way to do it. So I, I think that we're going to get some sort of tease for the next movie. Whether that next movie comes or not, I think we're going to get that. And those are some some cool ways of teasing the, the next entry. Um, and my prediction, I think Jake's mom is going to die. Um, I mean, why else is Roland saying that he's going to kill Martin for both of them? Why else would it focus on Jake and his mom hugging? Um, I, I, I can foresee um, Martin going to New York specifically... To get Jake's mother to lure Jake and Roland to him, so that that's my prediction there. All right, guys. Um, it's currently at uh, one minute 38... One, one hour thirty eight minutes. Um, it's been uh, it's been a long time coming. I've been waiting to do this this episode for for months. Um, today was a big day. I'm so happy that we we got to share it together. Um, so guys, uh, I hope that you enjoy this. Um, as I said before, top of this episode, make sure that you head on over to ca-19, uh, net, Or, sorry, ka tet 19net um, tet 19net uh, you won't be disappointed with the, the work that you see. Um, and then, you know, stay tuned for future installments of the Stephen King cast. I'll be back on a regular basis starting this summer. I just need to to get some episodes under my belt. So once I do go weekly, I won't miss a week. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for sticking with me for almost two hours now. Uh, thank you for all the support. If you have a few minutes on your hands, feel free to head on over to iTunes to leave a review. That would be great. And, uh... Feel free to write in at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And uh, in the meantime, guys, may you have long days and pleasant nights, and I'll see you here next time where M-O-O-N spells Stephen Kingcast.